I feel like a lot of people are on a journey, but they don't have a destination in mind. So they sort of jump on board, jump on IoT, jump on energy savings, jump on performant BMS, whatever one that they get on the journey for, yeah. but then have no real destination in mind. And that's where we find our best clients actually have a goal. And yeah, absolutely. It's actually not going to just happen in a year. Some people go, oh, how can this take more than a year? But before you know it, a year has disappeared because there's aspects of this is also behavioral change. You are listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, it's real estate and industry 4.0, and most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern. This episode is sponsored by Platform of Trust. I like Platform of Trust because it enables companies to create value from any type of data. Therefore, it saves time, money, and it's the perfect tool for companies who want to make data-driven decisions on data they can trust. They make it easy to collect, harmonize, and trust the data from different sources and basically any source that you want. And you don't need to hire 10 IT technicians or spend hundreds of thousands for a cloud platform because Platform of Trust can manage integrations and you'll see if something goes down in real time. Platform of Trust enables companies to take action based on the data that you can trust. Today, not tomorrow. I'm Peter Rake, the Global Director of Integration for Switch Automation. And Switch Automation is an IoT software platform for uh, performance buildings and performance portfolios. And so my role here is actually about bringing together, I like actually your analogy there, bringing all the ingredients together to bake a good cake. But uh, it's really all about consulting with our clients and giving them the best solution out of the best of breed products. Awesome. So much fun, to be honest. <laughs> well, it sounds fun now, but I bet like the journey getting to where you are today hasn't been like super smooth, I guess, in terms of like both like technology wise, the developments, digital maturity of companies, people, all of these kind of things, or, yeah. or has it been a smooth ride? I don't know. You no, 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 far from it. It's a bumpy ride. Yeah. For us, it's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears really of doing that because I feel like the technology was probably 10 years ahead of that commercial building application or adoption. And that's why I think it's actually starting to get momentum. I mean, I think COVID knocked the wind out of the sails significantly because I think really good conferences that were getting some momentum like Realcom this year is going to be probably, you know, postponed or or virtual. I mean, it is already postponed, but I feel like those sorts of things where the last three years, they really hit that hockey stick of attendance, education, the forums. So that then was reflected in our inquiries right? But in saying that, it's really about trying to get people to get data out of their buildings. And that has been a marathon because you've got this complexity with the building owners who do want to get the data out of their systems. They're often siloed systems. Is that from the systems as in the systems that they're working with in an organizational capacity? Or is it like the BMS, BAS systems, which of course the owners probably not really have a clue about what's going on in the building? Well, yeah, it's all of the above because they've obviously either acquired the asset or they've built it as a developer. And then they've specified all this hardware. So they've had this design from whether it's architecture, master systems, integrator, whatever. There's there's been this, the best intent 
to deliver this. But but that's what happens then. And then there's this big letdown because every respective vendor potentially in this day and age feels threatened by what's this data going to uncover. But the reality yeah. is that people, what are people missing is that everything in your social life is tracked by the other big people. It's not like, well, what are we going to tell no. you about your ambient space temperature? <laughs> we're actually going to tell you that no. your equipment's not running efficiently and we're going to save you money sort of thing. Yeah. So I feel like that's what ends up happening and probably worse. So sometimes when they acquire an asset, they've obviously bought this equipment that hasn't really had any due diligence. You might've had a professional walkthrough and kick the tires and you go, oh yeah, yeah, this looks like it works. But then putting analytics on that, when you've got the diversity then of the big manufacturers, because you know these portfolio owners don't just own a portfolio full of JCI or full of Honeywell, right? It's a, it's a mix. <laughs> it's going to be seen. And so bringing that all together is there's a massive attraction for that but it does become hard because if it was easy, yeah. this would have been solved decades ago, but it's not. Then you add to the mix the tenants, right? They're now hungry for the data themselves, right? But yeah. the building owners don't give that up. Maybe it's just logistically. It might not be malicious at all. It might be just, well, hang yeah. on. This isn't that easy to do that. Because they what, don't have it in the first place. Who's going to do the digging of the yes. data? Because I think like that's from a tenant perspective or an occupant perspective, I think it's more that they think that the data is there like it's there for to grab and no, like it's malicious or it's just like, no, they want to make it cumbersome. But the data is not there for the most part. It's buried in like the PLCs or like the, any kind of hardware from any kind of vendor or whatever it is, right? So just finding that piece, I think is interesting, but it's like the data to impact loop, right? So you have like data and then you want to turn it into information. You want to turn yes. that information into insight that insight into action and that action into impact. Anyone I'm talking to and like saying this stuff, no one knows where the data is, right? And then turning that into information and just like putting out also a metric, like a time metric. How long does it take for you to go through these steps? And no one is even close to getting to an impact or even insight possibly because the data is so scattered and it's so hard to get out of and all these kind of things, right? Have you not but, seen our um, platform? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the case, right? I need that one. Okay, so you sit in that space and you enable companies then to take the data out. Is that building specific data or is that any kind of data? That's why we focus on operational efficiency. So your journey there, that's exactly what we do. We take the data from the disparate systems. So whether that's API integration, whether that's flat file ingestion, whether it's our gateway on-site polling real-time subsystems with edge analytics, right? So you've got to establish relationships with that data as well. Otherwise, you can't really pull that insight from it to action. So if we're pulling in BMS data and we're pulling in work order data and we're pulling in utility data, um, then we can start to correlate things where you get a lot of hot space calls if we've got a work order integration or we see that when we're monitoring the equipment that this equipment performance isn't up to scratch obviously that's through fault detection and analytics so we can sort of see that an air handler unit's not performing or chiller tuning's required or whatever it might be through that infrastructure that out of sight out of mind infrastructure but then you correlate that then with work orders and or utility bills you can start to then see that your actions are resulting in performance now some things aren't performance related either it's actually a tenant's comfort yeah and proactive maintenance rather than the reactive maintenance so yeah we definitely cover that off through capturing all those streams of data from typically those three methods it's gateway it's flat files and it's apis because that's what people have today 
and you need to bring that all together and unify it so that you can, yeah. you know, because just looking at a chiller in isolation doesn't necessarily yeah. tell you that someone's repairing it every other month. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, it's when you get all of the data. And I think, like, again, uh, it's the data that you don't have that would change your life, right? It's not really the data that you do have. So I think, like, that's super important. That brings us to the, the classic question of tagging and tagging standards and haystack and finstack and break scheme yeah. and these kind of things. Is yeah. that something that you're like using or is that yeah. the basis of what you're doing at the bottom or is it just something that you can utilize but you're not so like dependent on tagging standards or yeah. how, how do you work with these tagging standards? Yeah, we're supporting more and more Haystack because a lot of clients come to us and they've got no data tagged. So a value proposition that we have is that we're continually with the data coming into the platform from our clients, we're able to continuously enhance that tagging as new information comes to light because the information you didn't have is actually the valuable stuff because we focus mostly on the built environment, right? I think it's great to talk about new stuff because I love it. I'm a gadget person. I love to talk about the what could be but new yeah. construction's three years away. And so what the opportunity is like now and planet and all this, you know, good stuff is the built yeah. environment. These poor building owners can buy an amazing asset location, 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 right? But then, oh, we've pulled back the skeleton and go, oh, gee, okay, now I've got to spend half a million dollars on upgrading the BMS or whatever they end up yeah. doing there, right? So those are the things that we help them solve, but then we can actually enhance that data as someone does maybe a, an upgrade of the BMS. We can bring in the points maybe from the BMS from day one, but sometimes those relationships aren't clear of which device feeds which tower. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, a lot of times, yeah. So, <laughs> so or we get some coffee-stained paper plans that get yeah. shipped to us and then we have our engineers go through it. So with the way that we've structured you know, our platform, that data can always be enhanced and it's always the client's. Yeah. So if we then find that, oh, air handler unit actually serves that part of the building and not what we thought this part, you can actually just update the taggings and you can do that at scale. Now, we definitely do support Haystack. We're looking into Brick and others. Microsoft has their digital twin language. So we're looking at all of those because we want to be able to accommodate all of those. Because if you want to truly get to that true digital twin status, you really need it to come in from the BIM, especially on the new ones, it really all needs yeah. to be done at construction. Like build smart from start, right? Like for, the whole yeah. movement. Like for my part, I wouldn't say sad, but I see like their driver is that, of course, like they have slim margins and all of these kind of things and yeah. they want to build smart from start and they can also extend their value prop if they build smart from start and have like these self-driving uh, or self-automating buildings, right? There's not the necessity anymore as much, I would say, for like the whole uh, going in, band-aids over everything and yeah. disparate data sources because it's actually built smart from start. It's going to be the same way that it's always been for a long yeah. time. But the sad part is that like the nine point whatever percent is uh, built already. Yes. So that's what you're saying. So coming in, getting like a digital mature buildings ready for the next uh, 100 years or 50 years or whatever, getting yeah. the data out from one API. I mean, that's been my sort of dream the last five to six years because I saw that early on with Backnet uh, yeah. and like with Backnet web services and of course Backnet IT or Backnet SC you know as well that you just have like the one API to the building. That in itself is not that easy, I guess. But I think that that's where you're getting at, right? But okay, so you're mentioning BIM, which is of course one aspect of a digital twin. 
But yes. then you also have like one of the show's uh, sponsors is called Platform of Trust. I think like the difference what they're doing is that right now, then you say like you have Haystack and then maybe like thinking about Brick Schema or some kind of like ontology or taxonomy to so like map the data to that is more versatile or it's more like real world ready, I would say. So not only building data, because I think like the companies want more data into their systems to like climate data or weather data or occupancy data or IoT data or whatever it could be, right? So the main difference is that one is trying to take the world and fit that into a taxonomy like Haystack. So that has to be like the tagging standards and that's mostly for like the built environment. Brick Schema is more, I think, like comprehensive and more of an ontology, but there's like Platform of Trust and similar, like others like it, they model the technology after the world. So based on what you said before, like you have like the meters, you have gateways, you have flat files, all these kind of things. They make sort of create an ontology based on the data that comes in. So they're like super vendor agnostic, as in you have vendor data coming in from 10 places or 20 places or whatever it could be. But then you have one API to everything. So I think like those harmonization platforms, I think they're very, very interesting because I see that also coming now, like doing research into digital twins and trying to become an expert at least. I see that with BIM. And they're also like, you have the protocol wars in the building automation side, right? Loan and uh, Backnet came out on top. But and you have all these working groups. And I, I love Backnet. I mean, the Backnet marketing committee, for God's sake. But it takes time to have like everyone like unified around the standard. And even that, it works to some level and getting like the protocol harmonization stuff and getting data out. But it's then we come back to the control strategies. But what I'm after is that in the BIM side of things, it's exactly the same. Everyone is trying to agree on a standard. I don't think that's going to happen soon. We strictly enforce a naming convention ourselves, which is, again, like you say, sort of somewhat anti the greater group, but some of the limitations in current tagging or just sometimes it's simple business metrics. Our clients want to slice and dice their data based on their business, right? So we've got that agility to then add those tags. Now, like I said before, we can enhance it with haystack tagging if they want to use some alternative because our ethos is the client's data is it's their data. They invested in this hardware and they invest in a platform like ours, then it's their data, right? So if they want to take out the FDD part and, you know, put it out to a third party, so it's already tagged, it's clean, it's ready to go with equipment labels. Now we have FDD in the switch platform as well, but Where we then scale that is because we're enforced this naming convention across a portfolio of buildings, we're able to then push all those rules. So learning from one building to another can be shared with those respective buildings. Now, you can already hear certain mechanical engineers out there saying, well, but buildings are snowflakes. And yeah, some of them have unique attributes, but the mostly is why there's ASHRAE standards of how equipment is supposed to operate the old 80-20 rule. There's a lot of buildings that are already broken anyway. So if we sort of smash out that 80-20, then you can start to come down to finite. And that's what we're repairing you know, like daily because we're yeah. connecting the built environment. We don't do a lot of new stuff. We are starting to do some new projects where we're actually validating the initial commissioning. Is the operating yeah. sequences as per specification? I think this is super interesting. Okay, so just to clarify for my sake, you do the due diligence and then you get it connected up to your platform and then you clean it for your customer and then they have a decision to make like, okay, are we going to continue using switch automation for everything 
or someone is going to do some parts of it because you have open APIs or whatever, so they can push it to third parties and your customers, they own the data and all these kind of things. And to be able to compare buildings, yes, there are snowflakes, of course. I don't think so, but it depends, right? I was in a call with an SI from Philadelphia, and he said, like, the sequencing part. I think that's interesting because I'm trying to stay, like, at the cutting edge and all these kind of things, right? Where you don't even do sequencing anymore. You have, like, the self-learning buildings and AI algorithms and all whatnot. I know that companies like Passive Logic with Troy Harvey and... Rainbox AI and Mirisbuven here in Sweden, Sentinel from UK. I mean, they come in, go over the top yeah. using like new algorithms, all this kind of stuff. So like, and understands how the buildings work without any sequencing. So it's just like detects and uh, well, makes sense of the building, creates a self-driving building, both from scratch, but also over the top. So I think like, I'm not a building automation guy to nitty gritty stuff, even though I understand most of it, I would say. Um, the sequencing, is that something of the past or is that something also that has a place in the future with ASHRAE no, guidelines and yeah. all these kind of things? Absolutely, it does. I think all of the AI, the machine learning stuff is going to come down the pipe for sure. But the true AI machine learning are on big, big data sets. Now, if the building industry is honest with themselves, we haven't got a lot of that data it's only become apparent over the last few years. You know, when you look at Tesla, Google, Facebook, those guys, they're doing big data sets. Any of that medical stuff, you know, they've got this community of big data sets. So AI and machine learning in medicine, self-driving cars, et cetera, that's lots of data, right? We have lots of data as well, but it's not a scratch on what those sorts of companies have. So I totally look forward to that being the norm. But really what we're talking about is getting those those operation sequences. But the reality is, again, because we connected to the built environment, often those buildings are likely performing suboptimally. We actually need to walk our clients through if they don't have an operation sequence document, which it's likely they don't, unless it's a maybe in the last five years. But if it's 10 years old, it probably got lost and it's probably had three owners and you just don't know. What we walk our clients through is like a data commissioning exercise where we just ensure that sensor points that we've discovered are actually posting. There's no data quality issues. Then you walk them through retro commissioning opportunities because there's going to be something that we can investigate, whether it's airflow, chiller, delta T with supply and return water and so on, right? Then you can go to continuous commissioning. So that's kind of in that realm of what you're talking about. But it's that three-stepped approach because bad data in, bad data out. Everyone knows that. The other one is you can't measure it, you can't manage it, right? So all of that happens. And then we can walk them through that process. And that's where we do all of that, but all that extra integration to give you those insights because the BMS is just like one slice of it. And I feel like that's where we're getting a lot of our clients today talk more about, okay, so BMS is cool. I actually now want to monitor, especially COVID. I want to now monitor my airflows, but I want to put some IAQ sensors in from another IoT. So now you can actually do that and you can actually get pretty cost-effective, install them yourself, IoT sensors, post to an API. We have an API integration path. Now you're marrying BMS data with your brand new IoT sensors. I absolutely agree. Those sequences are important and that's why those guidelines have been established. That They're always getting tuned, I'm sure, but um, because I'm not a mechanical engineer either. I work with <laughs> Yeah, the ASHRAE guidelines and with the sequencing and this is how you should do it and all these kind of things is such a, like a different world to like self-driving buildings, right? And I'm trying just to figure out 
how yeah. far it is or if it's working today. And when I talk to these companies that provide these solutions, of course, they say that, quote unquote, like sequencing can only do as much. They are like a building has so many states it is in at any given point in time when everything is connected, right? And again, like it goes back to not only the BAS, BMS system, but we're actually looking from a building perspective. So like, and also like the control strategies today maybe have been about energy efficiency and you don't really care that much, I would say, about the tenants or like the people or the occupants. And now post-COVID, it's such a more of a, like the tenant or like the occupant is more in focus for two reasons. One is of course social distancing and well-being and of course all these kind of things. But it's also, I think, like especially in the U.S. where people have not been in buildings for a long time, like getting them back to real estate and having like COVID compliance buildings and actually attracting tenants as well and occupants in a much different way. Because I think at least here in Sweden, when I talk to real estate owners or companies in the real estate space, they, they say that the owners have been like fat cats, right? And they haven't needed to do that much like as a driver in getting the buildings in tip top shape because supply and demand there's always been a demand and there's always been like not enough supply what are your thoughts on that in the u.s what do you see there with the control strategies is it more about people is it more about the tenants and you mentioned like iot and air pressure and these kind of things is that what it is like yeah it is it is but it dates back a bit further i think some of our early adopter customers that we've had from day one have been that forward thinking and have put the tenant okay. first. So I think there is certain parts of the market with the property owners that, yeah, it didn't have yeah. to do anything because this brick thing made me money every other day of the week. But then yeah. we really got this shift in, say, maybe 2012, 13, 14, where yeah. you started to get this occupancy retention. Hey, what can we do as a building owner to supply that? So that's where we really got on to, hey, there is an appetite for a product like ours because they want that insight to be able to share more with the tenants. That's only been then accelerated by this pandemic because how are some of these building owners going to differentiate themselves with that retention? So there's definitely been an uptick inquiries for how can we do that? And that's something where switches always position themselves the market hasn't necessarily positioned us that way, but we have where we are compared to building management system companies all the time. And we are more than that integration. That's just one part. It's certainly the low hanging fruit. It's a thing that captures people's attention because it's 40 plus percent of your energy consumption in a building. So cool, let's go for that. But we have always been all about getting all of the data across your operations and then putting that up into this useful, actionable, back to your point, this whole, right, okay, and act. Yeah, so for us, we're actually just seeing an uptick of it. So with our established customers, we can just add that. Like I said, we, exactly. we can now consult with them and talk about what's a good IoT sensor that's going to accommodate your needs. We have four or five, probably six vendors that we could just go to tomorrow that we've written APIs for, plug yeah. them in, connect, and we'll have data flowing in a few days. Exactly. So that's what we're actually seeing. I feel like we're fortunate that a lot of our clients are already pretty forward thinking and yeah. they're really just gearing up for the next step. It's the ones that are starting from behind that you've got to like nurture the way, you know, because you just can't yeah. come out of the blocks and have everything. It's just not doable from a cost standpoint and just logistics. From any standpoint, exactly. So when you say like 2012, 13, whatever, yep. the ones that were early, the early customers that wanted this, what kind of specific company or like, was it like commercial real estate? Or was yeah. it like hospitals? Was it, who was it? Yeah, especially the REITs in particular, one in Canada and uh, 
they approached us for that single pane of glass and had a vision to have performant assets, but yeah. also not at the cost of their tenants, right? So sure, energy yeah. like anything, energy, proactive maintenance, ensuring yeah. equipment was operating efficiently was their goals, but tenant comfort and proactive maintenance, they did not want that phone to ring, you know, they wanted to sort of capture that that so the hardware that's serving that floor i want to know about it and so that's the ones that we really enjoy working with because they have a destination in mind i feel like a lot of people are on a journey but they don't have a destination in mind so they sort of jump on board jump on iot jump on energy savings jump on performant bms whatever one that they get on the journey for but then have no real destination in mind and that's where we find our best clients actually have a goal and (laughs) absolutely it's actually not going to just happen in a year. Some people go, oh, how can this take more than a year? But before you know it, a year has disappeared because there's aspects of this is also behavioral change, right? I think that's the most part. Like technology has been here for like the last 20 years. I said this before, when I started writing for automated buildings, you know, Ken Sinclair's blog, yeah, where, Ken, where yeah. I'm still writing, right? So, and I was super naive like five years ago. It's just like, I thought it was like new thinker about all this kind of stuff. And then I go back, yeah, like 15 years, exactly yeah. the same stuff. Just with the technology at the time, which you could do a lot with. And I remember like the early articles from Steve Tom from Back to Web Services, that one seminal article from 2004, I think. Yeah. It's fantastic. And yeah. like it's being implemented in 1% of the buildings, maybe. Yeah. I mean, if that, right? So definitely think like the behavioral change. And I think like a lot of the companies, how they operate in terms of IT systems, they're not really API ready people. They're not really used to this stuff. They're pushing pen and paper or PDF files or Excel sheets and, and emails, these kind of things. And you don't have the processes, the hierarchy, the people, the IT systems, or the, or the, the culture of utilizing this kind of data. So I think that's definitely, in my opinion, like the, the strongest or like the hardest thing to break or like yeah. to get through. And I think you're on point with the vision. Like the companies that are succeeding in this, they have a vision where they want to be in three to four years, five five years yep. or whatever, then they can hang up their IT strategy or IoT strategy or whatever digitalization strategy on that vision. The other ones are just like, yeah, I mean, let's do something with IoT. Okay, yeah, right. what? Then they don't have like the roles to actually absorb it or to manage it over time. So the customers that you like the most are the yeah. ones that like the 330-300 rule. Like yeah. the energy play, you get the $30 and then you get like the predicted maintenance and the upkeep play and all these kind of things. Yep. But what about this elusive stuff then? Like with the well-being, the productivity side of things. And also I want to ask you about like, what do you see in terms of the classic data is the new gold or data is the new oil or whatever, right? Yeah. Is there anyone that you see that actually being able to capitalize on this data? Or is this something that you are helping customers with? They're like selling data to, I don't know, someone That's a really cool question, actually. So yeah, we like all customers and like investing in a home, like we always say, well, just start now, start somewhere because you don't know what you don't know. Um, And it does sound great. And yes, yes, this market's peppered with all sorts of solutions. So I'm not going to say that ours is then the one that you need to choose because if you just want to do energy or you just want to see a chart of your temperatures through the day, then yeah, maybe we are not the solution. But for me, absolutely, I do agree with the terminology, the, you know, data's the new oil has been flogged to death. But I don't know about selling it to others. We definitely have, again, with our clients, sharing the data out to third parties. So they're not getting the data twice. We're capturing the data for 
our clients and then they're engaging mechanical engineers to do a performance building yeah. audit. They'll engage energy specialists or building models from consultants that you can import to the platform. Your building should be consuming this. And then we can do things like, okay, well, it's not because we've got that to the sub So we can actually open up access to these trusted third parties and do yeah. that. Now, selling it to... I don't know. To me, my attitude is that's your data and you can then sign it over to whoever you like. Exactly. I think that's maybe the point, right? Okay, so maybe not selling the data. That's in itself is like, yeah, whatever, Facebook or something. I mean, selling access to the data, maybe that's that's better. Or maybe selling the insights or at least like, I would say like capitalizing more on the data or making money of the data. I don't know how to phrase it, but I think that that's again where the data is the new oil. And let's say like the classic one, if you have a customer owns a portfolio, they have all these different uh, systems and yep. then you help them because as this situation is that they don't really have a clue of the technology that is in there. Yep. After you've been in there, of course, you have a grasp of all the technology, how it's performing. So it's That's pretty right. easy for you as well to help the customer say, let's understand how the technology is performing and then just see what is better than the rest, right? Okay, all the products from vendor X, fantastic. Hasn't gone down once, like calibrated sensors, whatever, flawless, was this company horrible? I'm not going to say which one, but they're horrible, right? Then you make also like the investment decisions in the future. Like we're not going to go with vendor A, B, or C, but it's also like, okay, let's put this up on a website as in vendor comparison index by blah, 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 uh, powered by switch automation and whatever customer that you have. And then you can say, okay, okay, I'm doing a new build. And then you have like this data, which is data, 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 right? It's not something like a gut feeling or someone that says like yeah, these products right. are better than the rest. I think like that's what I mean with, I think like monetizing, I guess, on the data or like yeah. the information or the insights that you can get. Are people there? Are companies there yet? Or is it just like I, starting to get there? Or what do you see? I've not seen anything like that. We've definitely talked about it before, but the reality of it is we're like, we're, I guess, putting the customer first and doing that, but you're actually right. We actually can compare that today because we know the manufacturers that are in each of these buildings. When we apply our performance equipment scores to all of their their equipment in the buildings, then we know obviously the underlying manufacturer of all of that equipment. So as scores degrade over time, but often what we're seeing is that those scores just degrade with regular maintenance. It's just that, and that's why I err on the side of, well, yeah, could be deemed predictive maintenance, but I don't go there personally because I know it's just a regular fault detection algorithm for us. It's just we've applied these rules and as it degrades from those benchmarks, then it's scoring badly. So that's how we can inform our clients to go, well, that, but you then correlate that with the work order data that we're pulling in the system. You've now got one place to look up. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That chill has been maintained 15 times in the last quarter and it's continually not supplying the right temperature water right so that's (laughs) that exactly i think like that's where you again like get into the data to information to insight to impact to action and the holy grail is not only to save money of course it's also to make money right and the way that a lot of the companies are trying to do it is of course raising rent that's the only way that i think like the majority of real estate owners are thinking about making more money on buildings and then it comes like the whole yeah, selling data or the data is the new gold kind of oil, whatever. That for me is definitely the holy grail as in getting digitization as well. 
you see Sky, like the linear equation between IT investment and like return on money or ROI and all these kind of things. I think that's so important to not doing just digitization for the sake of doing it, but actually getting the drive to do it. And that's, of course, going to lead to tenant satisfaction, better buildings, energy efficiency, just like better buildings in general, right? Yeah. Well, that's where I see them indirectly making the money is that they will be able to sustain better buildings by having data actually made on data. So potentially increasing rental per square foot because they have substantiated that airflow here is great. CO2 levels are low. Your operating expenses are low because we've got LED lights here. Look at our energy use index. It's cents per square foot and those sorts of things. And that's not guesstimate stuff. That's actually factual data from the systems they've installed. So that's where I can see it being indirectly made. I think, sure, maybe down the road, benchmarks against that and, you know, selling up a website but i feel like for us there's a the great the classic group. approach yeah. is still like some stuff left to do in order yeah. to get to the perfect exactly. building maybe exactly <laughs> okay yeah. Yeah. that's super cool and that's really mm-hmm. interesting you're gonna have like a lot of updates now during the summer and of course you're advancing as well with the industry but in five years then or something like that like the future outlook what do you see what is the most important things what is going to happen in this space and where is it going to come from is it going to come from like the classic, everyone's going to be disrupted, not from like the competitors that we see today, mm. but from like the tech giants and like all these kind of things. Yeah. Where's the speed in the industry and where do you see that you're going to be like in switch automation in the next five years? Yeah, that's another classic. We think about that all the time. I take some of it seriously, but other times you think, well, this industry really needs to significantly change if we're going to really disrupt the big four, right? Because they've got hardware that's prolific throughout all the built environment. And how are you going to do that? Because I've sat in some webinars where the BMS is dead and like, well, yeah, it's not not tomorrow because it's just, you can't. And we understand with our clients that operational budgets aren't these bottomless pits of money, right? They have to adhere to that. <laughs> you can't just throw out a building like you can throw your Alexa in the bin tomorrow and get a, a Google one for $90, right? The cost impact is low. To go and refit a building is a huge capital cost, and especially across large portfolios. When you're talking about some of the big retailers, 9,000 locations, you're talking 10 years. So for me, I think the shift is going to be onboarding this, like a faster path to value. These onboarding buildings is a tedious task. I feel like APIs will open up and that's what we'll get. We'll get this cohabitive sort of interoperability between systems. I think some of the APIs and the proprietary nature of some of them today will be cut down and it will just be like, okay, cool. You're paying for our services and you bought our hardware, then the APIs open up and then it'll be companies like ours where you can serve that data up fast efficiently with insight in this like really tiny time frame that's the way i see it going initially beyond that i think there will be i think there'll be players in here i think microsoft will have a play for sure in this space google are certainly looking around it i'm not sure about aws they've definitely got the platform obviously but i have heard rumblings of google and and both obviously microsoft is in the media you know digital twin and all of their iot hub iot edge we're very much aligned with microsoft in that respect so i feel like watch this space for those guys as well super interesting how can people reach you i think that's also interesting like how can people get a hold of you if they want to Yes, I think we've got my contacts on our switchautomation.com webpage or it's prake at switchautomation.com. 
On LinkedIn, yep, absolutely LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Not as sociable as you on LinkedIn, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Good All man. Right. Yeah, no, we're good to catch up. Good, good to chat, Nicholas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll I talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, Platform of Trust. For those of you who want to collect, harmonize and trust data from anywhere in the world and make sense of it in a much, much faster way than ever before. Thank you.